Well, I'm going to share a little bit of the word, if that's okay, um, a little bit of uh, the word of God that changes us. And so as the word God, the Lord gave me for the year for our church family is the year of Jubilee. And I truly believe that with all of my heart that Jubilee is the time where debt is, is washed away. Uh, where things that were stolen and lost come back. It's time of freedom, reconciliation, and restoration. How many are ready for some of those things in your life? I am so ready for the great things that God has in store, and God has it for his believers. And this is our, our, our word for the Lord for Faith Builders Church is Jubilee. And so as we are going into Jubilee, God really impressed in my heart that in order to receive what God has according to his word, we have to change our thinking. You know, maybe some of us have been serving the Lord in here a long time, and we're still not seeing the full benefits of God's word in our life. We're still not seeing the signs, wonders, and miracles, the favor, and the things that God has really ordained for us. And so this year, I am fighting for us to deal with stinking thinking. Amen. So, and I started last week on a message on dealing with uh, breaking failure mentality. And if you didn't listen to it, I highly encourage you to jump online and listen to that. And starting tomorrow, we're starting a seven-day fast of wrong thinking. And we are going to go after those little silent thoughts in our mind that really derail us and keep us away from God's amazing benefits. And what we're going to have to do as believers is to recognize our wrong thinking. Because... We have thought this way for so long. Our little engine has roared so silently, you know, for so long that we don't even realize we've got a wrong pattern of thinking. That we're just so accustomed to these little inner voices really telling us who we are instead of letting, allowing the word of God to define us. And we're going to put those things aside this year, amen, because I want you to receive all that God has for you. So this morning, uh, last week I talked about failure. Uh, today I'm going to talk about self-preservation. And what is self-preservation? And as I begin to study uh, self-preservation, I learned that it is the strongest instinct of our human nature. That when something comes against us, as some, when God wants to do great things in our life, when God wants to promote you or give you a great marriage or do something great in your life, we instantly self-protect us because we go to that safe place that we're used to being and we can't receive the good things that are coming our way. Now, if you look at self-preservation, which is good on one end. So I want to talk about where protecting ourselves. I want to let's call it self-protection for the sake of an easier way to say preservation. But self-protection can be good. God gave us that instinct so when stress comes against us, we can protect ourselves from that. Um, I highly recommend you if you haven't done this but read the book Boundaries in Relationships, uh, Boundaries in Marriage, Boundaries in Dating. If you want to grow as a person and have good, healthy boundaries, you must read these books. Because we learn to safeguard the, the destructive areas of our life. Because there's times in your life that you have needs that need to be met. Sometimes we're so used to meeting everybody else's needs, paying attention to everybody else around our world, and not really stopping to go, you know what, I need some attention, God. I have some needs, I have some desires, I have some things I'm disappointed in. And we have to recognize that God wants us to take off those protection measures with him so that we can receive the abundance that he has for our life. Amen. And so self-preservation, it's a, a great instinct. And what it does is it protects ourselves from harm. It protects yourself from disappointment. 
Has anybody ever wanted something or to do something and you're just too, too afraid to do it? I know I took Quinny on, we went on a vacation, and she was afraid. I think the first thing we did was we did uh, 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 jet skis in, in the ocean in the Philippines. And she was terrified. She was terrified to ride the boat. She was terrified to get on this thing. And I'm like, we're going to do it, you know. <laughs> and her self-protection was, that scary to me. I don't want to do that. But after we got on the other side and we were on the ocean and we had so much fun, she was like, that was awesome. So you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone when God in this season, he's saying, I'm going to cause your debt to be wiped away. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to go and, well, how can it happen and when's it going to happen and I don't deserve it and I only make eight bucks an hour. No, that's self-preservation. But when you know who you are in Christ, you're like, God, I don't know how you're going to pay the bill. I don't know where that check's going to come from. I don't know where that favor is going to happen. But God, you are on my side. Amen. So we can't protect ourselves when God is saying in this season, I have great things for you. Why? Because we look at things from the past and we determine that's where we are today. And it becomes a filter of how we receive from God based on things from our past. And so what happens? We sabotage things. We sabotage what God has for our life. You don't feel worthy of the promotion so you don't even step up to receive it. You don't feel smart enough. Somebody else is at your job and smarter and qualified, and you're like, I ain't even going to try to show up for it. But when you know who you are in Christ, you're like, God's going to get me through the door whether I'm qualified or not. God's going to promote me because I have the favor of the Lord on my side. I'm blessed coming in that door, and I'm blessed going out that door. So you've got to begin to see past circumstances and see what God sees. What does God see for your life this year? We all should have our journals out and dream, which we did the first of the year. It was a little weird this year. But where does God see you, your, your family, your children, your businesses, ministry? Begin to see what God sees. And when God knocks on your door with it, you won't sabotage it. Because you've already rewired your thought process that you are good enough, you are called, you are qualified, you are chosen by God. There's not an elite spiritual people that get all these blessings because they're super spiritual. No, it's people who said, I know who I am in Christ, and I'm going to think the way God says I should think about me and not what the world thinks about me. I'm not going to think about what daddy thought I was or wasn't. I'm not going to worry about what somebody I dated thought I was or wasn't. I'm whipping off all those labels this year. I'm going to find out who I am in Christ Jesus this year. I'm the head and not the tail. Thank you, Jesus. I, in first service, I shared this story. I would go to women's conferences where pastors' wives would gather. And I've been in ministry for many years at this point. And they, they, uh, I would walk in and I would feel insignificant because I, did, I wasn't married. It didn't matter. It was a women's conference. But I had this label on me that, you know, you're special if you're married, I guess, if you got a ring on it, you know. And then I, I, people want to love me because I got a ring on it, you know. But that's just the, the way the devil worked in my mind. And, and maybe I didn't have the mega church. And some of these people had, you know, 5,000, 7,000, or, you know, people or whatever. So I would go into these events and I really wouldn't attract anybody. Because I was sabotaging the very thing that I wanted because of my own inner thoughts that felt like I didn't measure up whatever they thought I should look like or be. And one day I thought, you know, and I would get rejected. 
And one day, and I, you know, I want to go to these things, and I want relationships, and I need to be at them. And, and uh, one day I was driving in the car going to this event, and I just started saying out loud, I am loved. Man, people want to celebrate me when I walk in the door. They're going to want to talk to me. They're going to want to know my name. Oh, God, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm loved. I'm celebrated. I'm going to be put in the front row. And I begin to tell myself who I was in Christ Jesus. Now, not to get in there and have like, oh, I'm going to rub elbows. No, I wanted to walk in my stature of who God says that I was. Not in how I thought on the inside. I'm the same Barb Pruitt that walked in the door a year ago, but I walked in with my thoughts set on God and who I was. And I, no kidding, every time I prayed that way, they would be around me. Oh, what's your name? We're, oh, we love you. Come sit over here. Oh, we're going to go here. And I was celebrated. And what was the difference? It's how I thought about myself when I walked in that door. So if you want favor, if you want the good marriage, if you want to raise your children right, if you want a helpmate, you've got to begin to see what God sees so that you don't sabotage when it knocks on the door. Because I can tell you, there's things I sabotaged in the ministry because I didn't feel like I qualified. And I didn't show up at certain events because I felt like I wasn't good enough and I'd be rejected. And who would want me there anyway? And I sabotaged maybe a moment that walking into a door of favor, the enemy made me believe a lie. And I limited what God could do for me. And we've got to break that sabotage behavior. Because I can tell you, if I'm doing it, so are you. (laughs) We all are, aren't we? It's human nature. It's our instinct to go back to our insecurities and to protect ourselves. So what do, we be, what do we have to be willing to do? Change things. Quit doing things the way you've always done them. There's a story of a, a, a woman who would buy a uh, Thanksgiving ham, and she'd get the ham home, and she'd cut off both ends of the ham, and she'd put it in the pan, and she'd bake it. And she did that her whole years, raising her daughter. So her daughter learned to grow up, and she'd buy her Thanksgiving ham, cut off both, both ends of the ham, put it in the pan, and bake it. So when it got down to the granddaughter, she started doing it too. And she's like, why do we do that? So she went back to the mom. She said, why do we cut off both ends of the ham and put it in the pan in the oven? Well, went up. mom's like, I don't know. Let's ask grandma. So they went down to grandma. Grandma, why do you cut off both ends of the ham, put them in a pan, put them in the oven? She said, oh, well, I didn't have a, a pan big enough to fit the whole ham. <laughs> so I had to cut both ends off. How much do we do out of this is the way I always behaved, this is the way I always responded, this is the way I always feel about myself, and we live in this ridiculous way of behaving when God's going, why are you cutting off the ends of the hand? Why are you limiting your ability? You want to start a business, start a business. You want to minister to people, minister to people. You want to raise an orphanage, start an orphanage. You want to have a mom's club in your community? Have a mom's club. Whatever you want to do, God says, I'll put your, whatever your hands put to, you will prosper. There's no ifs, ands, and buts except for to believe who God says that you are. Amen. I, I want to get to heaven and be like, God's like, you got to chapter 12 of 13 of your book. You did it, girl. I want to do everything God saw me doing. I want to love every person God called me to love, change every life I'm called to change, do whatever God saw I could do past my own insecurities and fears and limitations. If we ever lived in a season of the world, there's so much comparison. 
There's so much in our face that we feel like we don't measure up and I'm, I'm not tall enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not this race, I'm not that. That is eliminated when it comes to Jesus. We've got the same spirit of the living God living on the inside of us, which means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Five foot and single, I can do it. You can do it, divorce two or three times. It don't matter. Take the labels off. See who God says that you are. Use your past as your future victory. Tell your story, amen. Change someone's life by something you were ashamed of. Because what you're ashamed of, someone else needs your story to get out of shame. And the devil keeps us locked up with our little secret stories and our little secret self not expressing victory because we're afraid of what other people will think about us. Well, if I can take a few people from hell and bondage with my story, I'm going to tell it. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Amen? I'm going to use my voice. But we cannot step in that strong authority or that stance until you see yourself the way God sees you. If you've asked Jesus in your heart, you've been forgiven. You've been loved. Your slate has been wiped clean. Now you have to convince your mind that that is true. That's why the Bible says to renew our mind. You know, this came out of my spirit in first service, but you can't just hear a message. You've got to become the message. I've heard a lot of good messages. Don't mean I walk it out when I'm in trouble or when I'm going through trials in my life. Amen. You got to become the word of God for the word to change in your life. Sitting on a, you know, this isn't going to be active until you begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. Man, you guys are letting me preach good today. First service, I felt like I was spitting nails out, but you guys are awesome. All right, Romans. <laughs> it's not always easy up here, you know. Romans 8, and we're going to start in verse 5. Let's just get a little bit of scripture, and I won't keep you long, I promise says this, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So those who live, it means I've decided to put my life on display of the things of the flesh. Now, when I've studied the scripture and I've even preached it, we think of it as a holiness. If I live in the flesh, I'm going to reap the flesh, right? I need to live holy. And that is true. But that translates literally um, my uh, thoughts my thoughts that are filling my mind every day. So that isn't just about holiness. If I live in these thoughts of negativity and not good enough and failure, and every time I try, I fall off the wagon, I will reap that of the flesh. Isn't that good? So we are sabotaging the very thing that God wants for us and we want for ourselves. Isn't that crazy how we do that? And that word, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. And when I read that, it made me think of someone who sets a table or you set something on in your home. It's put on display. So the things that you don't like about yourself, you're putting them on display. You're setting the table. You walk by it every day and look at it. And you hate it, you don't want it, you don't want to be that, but you won't change the setting. And you'll walk by it, and people who walk in your world walk by it and see it. And we want to be different, we want to be victorious, we want, to, we, want, we want what God wants, but we won't change the setting. Anything that's set out on display becomes an idol. That means I'm worshiping 
the thing that I hate more than worshiping the one who set me free from it. And God says, there'll be no idols before me. There'll be no others before me. So we've got to say, that thing that is labeling me has become an idol before God. I'm ripping it out of my life. I'm smacking on who God says I am. I'm smacking on that I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I'm restored, I'm healed, I have a great marriage, I'm raising godly children, I'm favored, I'm promoted. That's all that God says that I am and I want it all. I already told you this year, I'm being a piggy for Jesus. I want it all, God. I want it all, not only for myself, but for this ministry and for your lives and your children's lives. Amen? So let's keep going. Those who, set, uh, who live according to the flesh set their minds according to the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So if I'm putting the Word of God in my thoughts, I'm aligning my mind with the Word of God, I now am living in the Spirit. That word live means this. It's so powerful. It means absolute fullness. So when you are thinking God's thoughts, your life now as you walk out the door is absolutely full. When you are living in darkness and in your past and all this self-hatred, you are living in death, which is separation. And what do we get separated? The presence of God. When we are in our negative thoughts and feeling horrible about ourselves, it separates us from the presence of God. That word life means this. It means real, genuine, and um, active and vigorous. That means, listen, all hell can be going on around you. Everybody can be losing their job on the same job you're on, but you're not going to. Why? Because I'm thinking God thoughts, and when I walk into that door, I am blessed. I'm overflowed. It's the real life that God has called me to walk into. God wants to promote you past everyone else in your life. God wants to give you the best job with the least education. Why? Because that's the God that we serve. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt to go get education, none of that. But don't let it handicap you. Right? I have, I have my beautiful girls. I'm just going to share this. But Quinn and Maya in my life. And Maya's been in my life since she was five. Was it five? She's 14 now and towers over me. And we've lived in such a racial divide time in America yet again in this last year. And it's been so challenging for me because I'm a white woman in this racial divide. I mean, I've really got some dark skin underneath there. You just can't see it. <laughs> but but I've, I have always been in a multicultural. Our church has always been multicultural. We've never been one culture, and I love it because that's the way heaven's going to look like. Amen. And I hope we get a ton of more different nationalities in this house because I just think it's incredible. But here I am. I've got this situation of dealing with this racial divide. And I've got my own goddaughter and um, Quinn who are a different race of mine. And, you know, the message is, you know, that Maya, you've been beat down. You've been suppressed. And all of this sounds natural in the natural. But I don't look at my goddaughter by the color of her skin. Not that I don't value the color of her skin because I think it's beautiful and I love the culture and it's different and it's meant to be that way. But I don't limit her or handicap her because of the color of her skin. Since she's been in my home and, and of course, and her mom also, it's no, you can do all things to Maya, not because of your skin. God can promote you because of your skin color. God can favor you because of it. You've got to take the handicaps off of whatever the world wants to bind you up. You are not bound. You are not limited. The world would make you perceive that, but God does not see you that way. He says, you, I am not a respecter of persons. 
And I don't even know why I'm saying this because I wasn't even in my notes, but I feel it by the Holy Spirit. We cannot let racial divide divide the kingdom of God. And it is, and it shouldn't be. Amen? We should all come together in the unity of the faith. I love you because Jesus is in you, and I love you because you're Puerto Rican, and Puerto Rican people are awesome. If you didn't have Latin people in the world, it'd be boring. African-American people are cool. They got a groove that us white people just don't got. And I love it. We got Hawaiians and Indians and Filipinos and Mexicans and Africans in this church. We've got Indians from India. We've got Native Americans. This is beautiful. And you are not limited by what society says you are in your race or your size or your education or anything. You have all things at your hands to be blessed and favored. And if that person doesn't want to bless you, God will move you over here to somebody who will. And they'll wish they'd have got you after that. Amen? Change our thinking. We're not going to cut the ends of the ham off anymore. <laughs> and my little goddaughter is going to take this world for Jesus, I'm going to tell you. She's special and she's called. And if we'd have handicapped her because of her color, she'd have never, she'd have sabotaged the call of God in her life. I'm not going to let her do that, amen. And neither are you. We're going to fight for one another. Amen. We're going to fight to link arms and be in unity of the faith. I don't want to be around all white people. <laughs> Neither do you. <laughs> right? I want to blend in. I love this mocha latte stuff God's got going on, right? I love the diversity. It's beautiful. And it's the way it's meant to be. Amen. So we need to stand up for one another. In the love of the, of the Lord, amen. All right, how much time I got? Okay, give me two more minutes. How's that? All right, let's see. What do I have? Where were we? Uh, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, which we talked about. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can be. What happens? Your mind, the Bible says, is enmity against God. Your mind hates God. Our spirit loves God. We were created in his image, but your mind hates God. And I heard a saying once that what the mind doesn't understand, it immediately criticizes. Isn't that the truth? So if God's like, you know what, Maggie, I'm going to send you a man of God, girl. Oh, she wants it. She has no limitations, right? God says something great. You could sabotage it because you can't see what God sees, amen? I didn't know that was a strong desire. Now we know. Did I just prophesy it? Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This church is out of control today. I'm going to my last page right now. I'm going to wrap it up. <laughs> praise God. Let me just close with this, y'all, because I, I can't go anywhere else. We're talking about God bringing us to Jubilee, right? The land flowing with blessings and promise and prosperity. It's the same thing God did 2,000 years ago with the children of Israel. We're still on the same story. And he brought them out of slavery to bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the very best. But the first generation never made it in. They never made it in. 
And I want to look at that first screen, if you can, sweetheart. The first screen is um, something. No, not that one. We'll skip all that today. I don't have time for that. But the uh, first generation black screen. There we go. First generation that left uh, slavery mentality in Egypt, they were too afraid to enter. Too afraid to enter. They're like, they're at the border. God's like, all you got to do is go in. But they saw the giants bigger and stronger than they saw their God. Listen, many of you are standing in this place. God's like, I have so much for you. Don't be afraid of it. Don't let your thoughts of yourself. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, the Bible says. Don't see yourself as a grasshopper. Step in by faith. And take the land God has given you. Take the payback. Take the new relationships. Take the promotion. Take the business opportunity. Whatever your heart's desire is, it's time to step into that. Amen. Go to the next one. God had to bring up the next generation. Forty years went by and God brought in Joshua and Caleb. And what was the big difference? They had a different spirit. It's not about age. It's about a different spirit. And if the church of Jesus ever needed a different spirit, it's right now. We can't have the same spirit we had 10 years ago in the kingdom. We literally cannot have the same spirit we had two years ago in the kingdom. Everything has changed in the world. So we better have a warrior's mentality, a victor mentality, seeing God through the storm, seeing God through the dysfunction, seeing God through the division. We have to have a different spirit, amen, to get in. You have to see how big, they saw how big and strong their God was. And you see that? Not how big and strong you are. How big and strong God is. Not how big and safe and secure your job is, because that can go away tomorrow. But how big and strong my God is. Amen. And when you begin to see who God says you are, you'll get back what belongs to you in that promised land. And what they had to do is little by little, they overcame their enemy. So they took territory, and then what did they do? They learned to maintain and steward what God gave them. And then they went a little further, and they took that enemy out, and they maintained and stewarded that victory. See, God will do little by little. Don't look for everything to go away tomorrow. That's not realistic. Take a little bit of territory today. And then take a little, if it's a year from now, take another little victory and rejoice in it. Maintain it. Stay there. And then watch and see. Pretty soon you'll be walking out with those grapes and the honey and all the blessings that God has for your life. Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this amazing group of people, God, our church, our families, those watching at home, those watching later online, God, I, I thank you that you are with us. And all that you did in the spirit today, Father God, the disruption of the spirit, we're so thankful, Father, that we tapped into your presence today. We set aside our agenda and we let you be God. Let this church be set apart for your purposes, God. Let this church be special to its calling and its design. Let us never, Father, try to feel like we have to look like any other. But, Lord, we will fight in the spirit to maintain who you've called us to be. And I thank you for that uniqueness of our body. And, Lord, as we go through these challenges of renewing our mind and seeing who we are in Christ, I pray for supernatural release over them, Father God. Grace, grace to win the battle of their minds. And I just feel like the Lord's saying, take the one thing 
that's been challenging to you in your mind. This, you know, you, at night you hear it. When you wake up in the morning, you might hear it. It's that, that voice that may be the softest, but it's the most damaging. And I hear the Lord say, take that thing and begin to peel it off of your heart. Take just that one. Don't look at the whole, you're looking at the whole journey and you're saying that is impossible to fix everything. And God's saying, don't look at the whole thing. Take the one. And let it be your aim, even just this week. Let the word be the renewing. Let Find yourself in the word of God. Let the word of God, the peace and the presence of God be your, your guide through this place of victory. God, I thank you that, Lord, if they've been dealing with them for 20 years, it's going to end this year, God. Whatever has been self-sabotaged and disappointing is going to be ripped off of them in the name of Jesus. They will find freedom. I want everyone to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart, my life, and the seat of my emotions. Be my God. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. Good things are coming, amen. And I'm going to quit talking because I can keep on going. I love you all so much. And we'll have Pastor Paul close the service. Oh.